in there doing the praise and worship and just through um, Clifford Sharon there. And, you know, as, as David says, you know, you never t- really talk much about your message, but just with Clifford Sharon there tonight and just the, the worship tonight is just about God encouraging us and not to give up and to discover that it is God is our f- hope. God is the voice of hope. God is the provider of everything that we need. And I want to ask you a question tonight. That do you have a dream? You know, has God put a dream in your heart? Has God given you a specific promise? Is there a promise from God's word you have looked at it and saying, God, that is mine. That is my word. That You have spoken that directly into my heart and into my mind. And Lord, I'm going to stand on it. Has God given you a promise like that? You know, has God spoke to you about his calling in your life? Has God said to you, I'm going to do this with you. I'm going to have you go to the other side of the world. And many a time he tells us it a long time before he fulfills it. Not always the case, but the majority of the times he tells us it long before he fulfills it. Has God spoken into your life? You're going to do such and such for me. You know, just as a word of personal testimony, you know, I remember the night I got saved. And the prophetic word that night to me, you know, was that I would preach. And it was about five to ten years before I could ever do it. But I sort of thought to myself, I'm doing things now that that was 22 years ago this year, that God is starting to fulfill it in my life. And wherever he goes with that, that's God's prerogative. But God, has God spoken into your life about your calling? What he has you to do and what he wants you to do? Has God spoken into your situation and said, I'm going to change things? And maybe you're in a place where it's tough, where you're struggling, where it seems the enemy is all over you where it seems that everywhere you turn, it just seems to be getting no better. But God has said to you, I'm going to change the situation. I'm going to change things. You're going to see a difference. Has God spoken that promise to you? Has God spoken to you about your unsaved loved ones? Has God given you a promise of saying, I am going to save them. I am going to bring them to my house. I am going to bring them to the cross. Just as Clifford shared and I was great encouragement and just as encouraged me with this word. Not that I put it together, but that's what God wants to say to us. And that's what we should be listening to. God wants to say something to us tonight to encourage us. Has he spoken to you about your unsaved loved ones? You're praying for them every day to come to Christ. Has God promised you that measure of healing that you need? You know, maybe in your body, maybe in your mind. Has God spoken to you and said, I am going to touch you. I am going to heal you. I'm going to come upon you and you're going to be different. Things are going to change. Has God promised you that measure of healing? But you're waiting. You're waiting. You've been waiting a while. And you're still waiting a while more. You know, the promise looks still so far away. Your calling seems so far away, 
that situation just won't change. And it looks like it won't change anytime soon. Your unsaved loved ones, as Clifford said, the more he witnessed, the further he seemed to get worse. The worse it seems to get. And your unsaved loved ones, you're looking at them, they're so far away from God. Maybe in your body you're still suffering. You need that healing. And in fact, you're feeling worse. You know, Satan whispers in our ears, listen, give up. It's over. You've got it wrong. God didn't say this. What do you do? Do you give up? Do you say it's over? Do you agree with the devil? Well, the answer tonight is no. No, no. You don't give up. You don't just pack it all in and walk away. It's not over. You don't give up and you don't question God because God's word says for all the promises of God in him are yea and in him, amen, unto the glory of God. Hallelujah. Word says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. You don't give up because God who promised will fulfill his promises. God's promise is going to happen in your life. God's promise is going to happen in your life. And I'm not telling you that. God from his word is telling you that. God's promise is going to happen in your life. Because he has promised it, he has ordained it, and he has spoken it. God is not a man that he should lie. And God can do it quicker than you and I can ever think. God can change things quicker than you and I can ever think. Turn with me to Psalm 126. You know, the children of Israel discovered it in this psalm of just how faithful, God's was, faithful God was. They seen his promise. You know, the history of Israel is one largely of captivity, of struggle, of pain. Many's a time through their own, their own fault where they wandered away from God. They found themselves in strange lands. They found themselves in bondages. They found themselves in, city, in their cities under siege. And this is many's a time where Israel found themselves. But let's look at Psalm 126. It says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. Whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Amen. That's a wonderful psalm. And as I was reading it this week, it just encourages me. And I hope it encourages you because it's the word of God. God can change your situation so quick. What does it say there in verse 1? When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. 
We were like them that dream. God came in and it seemed like a dream. Now we talk about, you know, we're, we're in faith and we we're, we're have our vision and our focus on God. And that's good. And we will need that. But also many is the time the way God does it, we find sometimes that is unbelievable. It's like a dream. And this is what happened to the children of Israel. Everything was turned on its head. There was a 180 degree turn. And it happened like that. Now God may change your situation slowly. But there's times he'll come in and he'll change it like that. And things will start to snowball. And all of a sudden it's changed so quickly. We were like them that dream. It was such a surprise. Can it be happening? Can this really be happening? It couldn't be. It is. It's happening. You know, just a short time ago, things looked so dark. Just a short time ago, it looked as though we were going to be here for years. It looked like there was no hope. But like that, it felt like a dream. Because God had come in and changed things so quickly. Do you believe that God will do that for you? Do you believe that God will come in and change everything? He can do it suddenly, so suddenly in our lives, so quickly that it's going to seem like a dream. God will turn again the captivity. Let me just read a wee bit from you, for you from Esther. In Esther chapter 5. Probably to find it myself, so I am. <laughs> Excuse me. Keep getting mixed up with um, Esther and Ruth. So we do. Do you want to go to the front of my Bible and find it? So I am. I'm too busy looking around with her. <laughs> Things are bad, aren't they? So they are. It's all right, we've got it now. Esther chapter 5. The situation here with Esther. We have Mordecai and we have Queen Esther. And the situation isn't looking very good. Chapter 5 verse 13. And we know if Haman wanted to kill Mordecai. And he wanted to destroy the, people, the children of Israel from out of the land. And this is the type of situation that they were under. And it says in, 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 in verse 13, Yet all this availeth me nothing, so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. This was a man full of hate for Mordecai and the children of Israel. He hated them for his own gain, and he wanted to be the top man. Then said Sheresh, his wife, and all his friends unto him, Let a gallows be made of fifty cubits high, and tomorrow speak thou unto the king of Mordecai. 
unto the king that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. Then go thy in merrily with the king unto the banquet. And the thing pleased Haman, and he caused the gallows to be made. Here's a man taking another man's life, and he's pleased with himself. He's pleased with himself, but not only this man, but the nation of Israel as well. The children are in trouble, for tomorrow it's going, they're going to be finished. Mordecai is going to be no more tomorrow. He has to be hanged tomorrow. This is what this man is plotting. This is that this man's mind is full of. And he's going to manipulate it, that it happens. And then we see in chapter 7, So the king and Haman came to the banquet with Esther the queen. And the king said again unto Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? And it shall be performed even to the half of the kingdom. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain and to perish. But if we have been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. They had been sold. Tomorrow it was to be finished. They were done for. We are to be destroyed. But God had different plans. Tomorrow God had different plans. And maybe today we look at our plans and it's still the same. But maybe tomorrow God's going to change it. Maybe God's going to change it. It says, Then the king Azarias answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he and where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. And the king arising from the banquet of wine in his wrath went into the palace garden. And Haman stood up to make request for his life to Esther the queen. For he saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. Then the king returned out of the palace garden and into the place of the banquet of wine. And Haman was fallen upon the bed where Esther was. Then said the king, Will he force the queen also for before me in the house? As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. And Harbonah, one of the chamberlains, said before the king, Behold also the gallows fifty cubits high, which Haman had made for Mordecai, who had spoken good for the king, standeth in the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him thereon. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. What a turnaround by God. What a turnaround. Today, what a turnaround. Tomorrow it looked bleak, but today God stepped in and changed everything. Today was full of fear and worry and doubt. What's going to happen? But tomorrow was full of light and gladness and joy and honor. It must have seemed like a dream to them. It must have thought, how can these things happen? How could it happen? Only God could do it. I think of Acts 2. We think of the disciples. And we see in Acts 2, verses 2 to 4, here is men that have lost their hope. Jesus has been killed. He's been crucified. 
He has risen again. And Jesus says to them, wait for the promise of the Father. There are men, these men, 120 are found in the upper room, praying, seeking God, not sure what's happening. Their lives are upside down. But what does it say in Acts 2? Verses 2 to 4. Then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty wind, and it filled, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Suddenly, things changed. Suddenly, it changed. They didn't know what they were going to do. They are in an upper room. A bunch of nobodies. A bunch of nobodies. And maybe God has promised you in your life and you're going to do such and such for me. And we're sitting here and we're thinking, yeah, Lord, when? Because it seems so far away. A bunch of nobodies. But in the space of this time, it doesn't say how long it was, but it was quick. Suddenly, they were transformed. Transformed. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Before they were filled, they had nothing to say. After they were filled, they had a message to change the world. Suddenly, God can come into your life and suddenly you've got something that's going to change things. You've got a message in your heart that's going to change the whole world. These disciples were like that. Nobody's. But suddenly God changed it. We were like them that dream. Must have seemed like a dream to the disciples. Peter jumps up and he has something to say. And everybody heard about it. I think in Acts 9. Let me just read Acts 9 to you. These are all familiar scriptures. But just to encourage us tonight. And Saul get breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. Went on to the high priest. And desired of him letters to Damascus. To the synagogues. That if he found any of this way. Whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound onto Jerusalem. Here's a man, Saul, with a heart full of hate, with a heart full of pride, with a heart full of to, 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 to destroy the early church. A man whose heart was filled like this. Surely God can't change a man like this. We're praying for our loved ones and they seem so far away. Here's an example of a man who hated the things of God. He's on his way to cause pain and destruction, whether it's men or women. But what does it say? Let's read on. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no man. 
And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said, he, said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on the name, all on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brothers, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way, as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem? And came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. A man full of hate who wanted nothing to do with, the, with Christ is suddenly changed. Suddenly changed. Filled with the Holy Ghost preaching Christ. It must have seemed like a dream to himself and especially to those around him. What a turnaround. 180 degrees. We were like them that dream. And maybe you're looking at your loved ones tonight and you're thinking, God, they're a hopeless case. But no, they're not a hopeless case because Christ can get a grip of them. And he just promised that he will, will, will save our, 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 our unsaved loved ones. And we pray and we trust him tonight. God can change everything so quick that we think we're dreaming. It'll take a while for our minds to catch up. But God can suddenly do it. He can suddenly do it. We were like those that dream. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that tonight? That God can suddenly change things in your situation, in your family, in your unsaved loved ones, in your body? Do you believe God can do it? But he has promised to do it. His promises are true. It says in verse 2, And your mouth is going to be filled with laughter and your tongue with singing. Your mouth is going to be filled with laughter and your tongue with singing. Do you know God is going to cause you to laugh? God is going to cause you to laugh and sing. Let's be honest. 
when you're going through those struggles, sometimes it's hard to laugh and sing. Sometimes it's hard to lift your head. But God is going to cause us to laugh and sing. Joy is going to fill our hearts afresh. Do you know you're going to laugh again? You're going to laugh again. You thought it had ended. You thought it was hopeless. The enemy whispers in our heart and our minds and says, it's over, it's done. But no, God says we're going to laugh and we're going to sing. Do you know the enemy wants to stop you laughing? He wants to keep you down. He wants to keep your head bowed low. You know, we think of Abraham and Isaac. You know, Isaac's is, his name means laughter. And when it seemed impossible, God brought laughter to Abraham. When it seemed impossible, here comes Isaac by the hand of God. You think of the father and the prodigal. The prodigal goes off and wastes his life, wastes his life, and he comes back. And the father hugs and kisses him and throws a party for him. Don't tell me the father didn't laugh and sing. Don't believe the lies of the devil because he wants to stop you laughing because the joy of the Lord is your strength. It says you want to be filled with laughter. Filled with laughter. Joy of the Lord is our strength. It's tough to laugh at times in the storm. But listen, let's look to the promise. Let's look to the giver of the promise. The one who promised. God will fill our mouths with laughter and our tongue with singing. This is especially what Satan wants to stop. The song of your heart of praise and worship unto God. He wants to stop you singing. He wants to stop you praising God. He wants to stop you worshiping God. He wants to put so much pressure on you and I that our heads are bowed down and we don't feel like singing we think, Lord, I, can't, I can hardly get out of bed in the morning. Don't let him stop your mouth being full of singing. Your mouth filled with praise and worship. You know, nothing will stop you, those praises quicker than a heavy heart. Nothing will stop those praises quicker than a heavy heart. You know, in, in Psalm 137, the children of Israel says, How shall we sing the Lord's song? in a strange land. There's people that lost hope. But God, but God changed things. Words that the Bible says, Ephesians 5, 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. This is what the Lord asks us to do. It will encourage us, it will strengthen us Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Don't stop the praises. Don't stop the worship. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Don't let the devil steal our praise and our worship. Let our mouths be opened. Turn with me quickly to Exodus 15. You'll be glad to know and know where that is. Exodus 15. 
children of Israel in the Exodus were in a tough place under Pharaoh. And we know all the miracles and the plagues that come. And when they were allowed to leave Egypt, they were traveling along and they come to the Red Sea and God opens the Red Sea for them. And they come across and the Egyptians are, are all killed as they're coming across. Listen to what they say. Listen to Exodus 15, 1 and 2. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake saying, I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will prepare him a habitation. My father's God and I will exalt him. Then Miriam speaks in Exodus 15 and 20 and 21. And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Listen, let your mouth be filled with, with singing, with praise and worship unto our God. He was just saying there on Tuesday night in our cell group, and, and you know, sometimes we ring about, we, we walk about and we're singing, and that's good. But there's just recently there's two songs that just maybe about three weeks ago that I just was conscious that I was singing them, and I was conscious that the Lord was encouraging me with them, and just we sung actually one tonight was um in the um. Love lifted me. And I just found myself singing that. Because, you know, you could through times, I'm no different from you. You go through struggles. You go through things and you think, how are we going to get through this? And I just believe the Lord put these songs in my heart. And I have been in my heart since it. You know, love lifted me. Love lifted me. When no one but Christ could help, love lifted me. When no one but Christ could help, love lifted me. And the other one is, um, he is able, more than able, to accomplish what concerns me today. He is able, more than able, to handle anything that comes my way. He is able, more than able, to do much more than I could ever dream. He is able, God is able, to make me what he wants me to be. God is more than able. God is more than able. Let your mouth be filled with singing. Praise him and worship him in the storm because he is going to fulfill his promise and it will come by the hand of the Lord. Then was her mouth filled with laughter and her tongue with singing. Look to the God of the promise and worship him. And then just, we're almost finished. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. You're going to laugh and you're going to sing. And everyone around is going to see it. They're going to see that there's a difference. They're going to see what the Lord has done. Because there's going to be such a transformation. You know, I think sometimes, you know, we can, what people think of what Christians are like. And you say, you know, they're in the church and all respectable. But what they forget is where God saved them from. 
some of you, I don't know all of you tonight, I don't know your backgrounds and where, how you became a Christian. Some of you I do. God lifted some of you out of the gutter. God lifted some of you out of situations which looked impossible. God lifted some of you out of situations that you thought, I am never going to be free from this. But you're a testimony tonight of what God has done. And you know what? Other people see it. Other people see it. That's why the Bible says uh, about your testimony. To show your testimony of what God has done. And here's the heathen people saying, the Lord has done great things for them. They're going to see it. And they're going to see what God has done. And they're going to say, if God can do that in them, he can do that in me. You know, there's going to be such a turnaround in your life. There's going to be such a turnaround in the situation. There's going to be such a turnaround in the circumstance, in your family, in your job, wherever it may be. God will change things. God will change things. Do you know, as I was preparing, I was thinking, you know, only God can call a heathen man Abraham and make him a father of many nations. Only God can cause Isaac's birth. Abraham's 100 years old. We were joking there about a friend of John's there and he's in his 40s and it's just had a wee one. And it's a culture shock for want of a <laughs> Here's a man of 100 and Isaac comes along. Laughter comes along. Only God can bring Israel and use Moses to bring them out of Egypt. To bring over 2 million people out of Egypt into the promised land. Only God can take a shepherd boy, David, and make him the greatest king that Israel ever had. God can take Daniel, with the three Hebrew, along with the three Hebrew boys, brought them out, out of the exodus, out of, out of um, the captivity, and made him second in charge in an idolatrous nation. Only God can do that. We talked about the disciples. Only God can do that. We talked of Paul. Only God can do that. And we think of ourselves. Only God can do that. Only God can do it. But the good thing is he will do it. He has promised to do it in our lives. Only God can do these things. The Lord has done great things for them. We want the world to see it. As we're an example to the world, we want them to see what God has done in our lives. Make testimony of what God has done in your life. And trust him. Because he'll do it in his timing, but he will do it. I want to encourage you just with the last couple of verses. And look at them away. Let God speak to you now, tonight. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I don't know about you, but that encourages me. That encourages me. You know, there may be tears, and there may be weeping, but how much sweeter is the joy going to be? And that joy will come. It's a promised joy. 
You've got the precious seed. You've got that promise of God. You've got the word of God. It's precious. But the word says it will doubtless, doubtless come again in verse 6. You and I may go out weeping, but we're not coming back the same way. You and I may go out crying and struggling, and it looks dark, but we're coming home rejoicing, bringing our sheaves with us. The promises God is going to fulfill. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up on your loved ones. Don't give up on your situation. Don't give up on the healing in your body. Clifford's testimony tonight, God says, don't give up. Don't give up because God's going to do it. God's encouraging us tonight through prophetic, through, through what um, Clifford shared, through the word. Don't give up. It's going to be like a, it's going to seem like a dream. It's going to happen that quick. Our mouths are going to be filled with laughter and our tongues with singing. And we're going to rejoice because our sheaves, we're going to come back rejoicing, doubtless bringing our sheaves with us. Be encouraged tonight. Be encouraged. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. You dare to dream tonight. I titled the message tonight, The God of Laughter and Singing. Because he is the God who's going to put laughter in your mouth. Singing in your heart unto him. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, you are the God of laughter and singing. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from, the, uh, is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, of, neither shadow of turning. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. All the promises in Christ, your Son, are yes and they are amen. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. You are the covenant-keeping God. Because of who you are, Lord, we declare according to your word that our mouths will be filled with laughter and our tongues with singing. And Lord, we especially pray that all will see that it is you that has done it. That your name will be famous, Lord God. We will worship you, Lord, for what you have done. Lord, I just pray for your people tonight, Lord God, for wherever wherever they may find themselves, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you would give them your grace, that you would strengthen them, Lord, that you would just touch their lives, Lord God, and give them what they need, Lord God, according to your promises, Lord. Lord, you are the covenant-keeping God. And what you say, Lord, you will do. Lord, we praise you tonight. We worship you for who you are, Lord. Lord, we don't deserve any of it, Lord God. But it is all by your love, Lord. Lord, we thank you tonight. We glorify you for who you are, Lord. 
Yes, Lord, there may be weeping. But Lord, we're bringing our sheaves back with us and we're going to rejoice in you. We're going to rejoice in you, Lord God. What a joy that is going to be. Lord, we magnify you, we glorify you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.